Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. show we share stories of retail entrepreneurship, commerce entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship in general. It is my passion. And with that, we also share learnings to help you entrepreneurs along the way on your journey. Now, today's guest is an entrepreneur with an incredible background, having founded his first company at age 17. In addition to a law degree, he has an MBA from the University of Ottawa, where he co-founded the JD MBA Student Society. He's received the Canadian Angel Investor of the Year Award, Canada's Top 40 Under 40 Award, Fortune's 40 Under 40, and was inducted into the Order of Ottawa. I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. From 14, 2014 to 2017, Board of the C100. And from 2017 to 2020, he was on the Board of Directors of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. You may have seen him on TV as one of the dragons on CBC's Next Gen Den in a starring role in Discovery Channel's I Quit, and in a number of CNBC appearances. Have you figured it out yet, my friends? Yes, it is my honor and pleasure to tell you we're speaking with Harley Finkelstein, the president of Shopify today. Whew, I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Harley, welcome. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. Dude, it is an honor to be here. You and I have known each other for, I think, a decade at least, right? Yeah, 10 years. It's got to be. And we've never done this, done this before. Uh, in my sort of prep before this, I was just looking at the notes. And um, I, just, I was just trying to f trying to remember when we first met and how we first met. And I, I think one of the reasons that you and I have always connected, have always been friends, and have always sort of liked each other is you believed in Shopify, the ecosystem, the community, pretty much before anyone else did. And you took a bet on something that, you know, I see your Shopify license plate behind you. I think you had that on a Jaguar at one point. Is that it right? It was. Yeah. yeah. A uh, Jaguar. When, a Jaguar. Sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying it very Canadian, very British. Um, but I remember seeing that license plate on your car and thinking, oh my God, somebody got a Shopify license plate. Now, not to say that right now, if someone got a Shopify license plate, um, I actually have the Ontario one right here because I, I don't have it on my car, but I don't want anyone else to have it. So I, I locked it away so no one in Ontario can have it. But if I saw it today, I would still say, oh my God, but it'd be like, you know, that kind of like makes more sense. There's millions of merchants on Shopify. There's millions of partners on Shopify. You know, we're uh, a much larger company now. When you did that, 
it's sort of like uh, when Josh got the Shopify tattoo. Oh, that I remember. I remember that too. And I was like, I was like, wow. Like, and it, and it, by the way, I put this in the same category, Josh getting a Shopify tattoo and you, Kirk, getting the Shopify license plate. There was this like, holy shit moment. Like the impact, the community that we have is so much bigger than anything I think we ever could have imagined. And so thank you for being an OG. Um, I think that you have probably inspired, not kidding, like hundreds, if not thousands of Shopify partners to build agencies and apps and themes and just connect with the Shopify ecosystem in a way that most companies don't really, you know, work with their, um, with their community. So, yeah. I, well, of course I'm thrilled to death to hear you say it, but I, I think it bears, uh, repeating when I started with Shopify, it was because I had a friend who owned a, a local bike shop and he said, look, I, I hate my e-commerce site. I need something new. I said, what do you hate about it? He goes, it's hard. I just want something easy. So I heard about this thing called Shopify. We should try it. And I didn't know what I was doing. We went and custom designed a theme. We'd never done it. But the documentation was great and the community was there. And so it made it easy to adopt. And I thought, well, this is good. And like really very quickly. What year is this? What year? This, is, this is like 2010, 2009, something like that? This, yeah, it's probably 2010. Yeah. And I thought it, it was like with by 2012, we'd put together like, oh, it's the community. It's the ecosystem. That is the magic here. And that's why we said, you know what? We're going all in on this and certainly uh, hitched our cart to the right horse. Yeah. Well, we, uh, you know, uh, we appreciate that. But but you also you took a huge shot and a huge chance and and, and you deserve all the all the success you've had because of that that shot that you took. I mean, one of the things I think that is missed about Shopify um, fairly often is, you know, um, I remember being at uh, I think it was Unite 20, uh, 2019, um, which was in Toronto. I think you were there. And I'm looking around, there were thousands of people everywhere and they can, oh my God, like, and I started just randomly walking up to people and introducing myself and saying, hi. And every one of them had a story and every one of their stories was the story of entrepreneurship. It was a story of them, you know, taking the, the road less traveled. It was them solving a problem for themselves or a neighbor or a friend that led them to do something else, led them to do something else. And eventually, you know, ended up becoming a, a large app developer or a theme developer or, or a large Shopify agency, or just someone who hosts, you know, uh, the, the unofficial Shopify podcast. Um, what's interesting, you started the show by saying, you know, you are an entrepreneur. Um, I also am an entrepreneur. Toby is also an entrepreneur. The 10,000 people that work at Shopify for the most part are also entrepreneurs. The merchants on our platform are entrepreneurs. Our app developers are entrepreneurs. Our theme developers are entrepreneurs. This is the entrepreneurship company, not because of Shopify, but because of all the people that are involved with this, this thing, this community. Every one of us has decided that entrepreneurship is the greatest tool to self-actualize, to solve a problem, to find success, to find ourselves. I mean, like person like self-identity i mean the re like you know like the reason the venn diagram overlap of kurt elster and harley finkelstein is entrepreneurship even even before shopify it's you true. know entrepreneurship was the thing that i did at 17 it was the thing you did earlier in life not because like we thought one day we would meet and we'd you know build businesses uh you know shoulder to shoulder but because it felt like this great thing that was accessible to us and so when i when i when i talk about it, i try to tell the whole world um you know, that Shopify is the entrepreneurship company. It's not about our company or our business model or, you know, any any of the KPIs or metrics we're in the business with. It's about the fact that it is sort of like 
you know, we are the we are the guardians of the world entrepreneurs, and we invite all these entrepreneurs to join our cause. And and we have always tried to create space for partners in a way that you know the the famous Bill Gates line to create more value for others than we capture for ourselves. That goes for our merchants, that goes for our partners, and that goes for people that work at the company. I had no idea that was uh, a a Bill Gates. It's called it's called the Bill Gates line. I think um, someone had famously asked Bill Gates, "Hey, how do you know when you're a platform?" And either Bill Gates or someone on his team said, well, you know your platform when you create more value for others and you capture for yourself. The actual thing that I think was missing from it is the next line, which you know I, I've sort of uh, informally added, which is, and over time, that proportion should shift more towards others. Uh, mm. Meaning over time, you, you continue to create more value for others relative to what you're capturing for yourself. That's what makes a real community, a real platform. I don't think most companies that have an app store or that say they have a partner program are actual platforms. I think what they're doing is they're simply just plugging holes in their, they're, they're plugging product efficiencies. Um, I think a real platform makes space for others to build on top of. You have this incredibly, like from what, from what my notes tell me, like you have 2 million downloads on this podcast. 2.1. 2.1 million. You have 2.1 fucking million downloads on a podcast you created by yourself. By the way, it's unofficial, meaning you didn't ask anybody for permission. I love that. It was a working title, and I'm like, all right, let's see how we're going to work with this. Because <laughs> it shows what my what my mother and my bubby and my family would say is shows chutzpah. It shows audacity. And that and so like the fact that there is room for someone like you that really gives a shit about entrepreneurship, e-commerce, retail technology is able to say, you know what, I'm just going to like grab a, I'm going to grab an SM7B microphone. I'm going to grab this. I'm going to add this really cool, um, you know, soundproofing in my, in my office behind me. I'm going to get this thing, create this thing called the unofficial Shopify podcast. And you now have 2.1 million downloads. That is the most entrepreneurial thing I could think of. And so that happens all over this ecosystem and community. And, and like, that's the reason why I've been at Shopify for a third of my life. And I'd like to be at Shopify for the rest of my life. How, speaking of being at Shopify, how'd you get there? How did you get involved? I have no idea. So I, uh, born in Montreal, raised in South Florida, went to McGill University in Montreal for undergrad. Um, mom and dad lose everything in 2001, sort of forced into entrepreneurship. Montreal is, uh, I think, like the most amazing city in the world. But I was in Montreal, uh, need to make money, uh, started a little t-shirt business, tiny little t-shirt business making t-shirts for my university, which was McGill. Um, and eventually more universities started buying my t-shirts and I built a little, a nice little, you know, promotional t-shirt business selling t-shirts to universities for their like orientation weeks and their bookstores. Um, mentor of mine says your business is totally, is, is, I mean, it's a nice little business, but it's never going to scale. You should consider going to law school to become a better entrepreneur, not, not a lawyer, but a better entrepreneur. And he's like, why don't you apply to the University of Ottawa? Uh, you can go to law school here. I'll be here. We can, you know, we can be closer together. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone in Ottawa, but sure, that sounds like a good idea. So I get to Ottawa in 05 uh, to go to law school. Uh, it was like a joint, it was a joint law MBA. Uh, have no friends, have no family, except this one mentor uh, in town. Started asking around where the entrepreneurs hang out. And I'm directed to a coffee shop uh, in, uh, in the Glebe uh, here in Ottawa, uh, Bridgehead. Uh, to a group of, of founders and entrepreneurs that called themselves at the time the Young Entrepreneurs Club, YEC. And I started hanging out with this group because I didn't have any other friends here. Uh, and there were about five or six of them. Um, and one of those uh, entrepreneurs, one of those founders was this brilliant computer programmer named Tobias Lutke, uh, who just moved to Canada two years earlier um, from Germany. And we became friends and uh, he had He'd built this snowboard company, didn't like the software on the market, so wrote a piece of software to sell these snowboards. And very quickly, people started asking him 
if they can use the software behind the snowboard business to start their own online stores. Um, and I ended up becoming one of the first merchants who shop. I was store 136. I turned my wholesale t-shirt business into a direct consumer retail uh, business. We, we had sort of had small licenses for uh, comic book characters and a bunch of bunch of stuff like that. Very inexpensive licenses um, and very limited geographies. And um, spent the rest of law school and business school um, trying to get as much value as I could out of the out of out of school. I mean, I, I thought like law schools w- was very much like finishing school for entrepreneurship. Learned how to write, how to think, how to debate. Mm. Um, but more importantly, um, built, building this online store. And then in 2008, 2008, went out to Toronto uh, to article, which is what you do after you finish law school. You have to sort of get called to the bar and get insured. And so part of the process is you have to go work for a law firm for a year. Um, and I didn't even make it the full year. Um, uh, sort of halfway through, I called Toby and said, I would love to come, ba- uh, come back to Ottawa and join you and uh, at the time, Cody and Daniel um, and, and help you build this company. And so I, uh, a year later, I moved back to Ottawa uh, with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, Lindsay, and uh, started at Shopify as effectively the, like the jack of all trades. Uh, how can I help? I did business development. I did law. There was We, we had no CFO at that point. We had no CMO. It was just, it was just a small group of people. Um, and that was about 13 years ago. You know, looking at Shopify now and the, the global force it's become, hearing hearing the humble origins, it's almost hard to imagine, right? Like those just the incredible growth over time um, and that you were you were an online merchant and one of the first customers and yeah. turned around and selling t-shirts no less, which is where a lot of people start with uh, their Shopify stores and joined and, and but it sounds like you worked your way up to present. Hey, good job on the promotion. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Shopify is, you know, there's this, uh, there's this, um, this thing, I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's called the law of ecology, but I, I, I cited from time to time because I really like it. Um, the law of ecology uh, I'm sure someone's going to call me out for getting this wrong, but um, it's effectively that for a species to survive, it has to grow at a rate that is equal equal to or faster than the environment around them. Like ref- if you bring that that analogy or that metaphor into like a business building uh, situation, the first way is holy shit, like that is impossible. These these startups and these companies they grow so fast. Like how the hell am I going to keep up? There's another way, which is sort of, I think, the entrepreneurial way, the um, optimistic way, the you know, the way that I've always sort of loved, always wanted to live my life, which was um, challenge accepted. If Shopify is going to grow, you know, at this ridiculous pace um, every year on the product side, on the growth side, on the business, on every side, um, I need to keep up. I need to grow at an equal, equal to or greater pace than, than Shopify, and that was always very motivating to me. Um, you know, just the one random example, if you go back seven years, um, you know, we were, I guess, seven years ago, we were, um, you know, November, 2014, we were thinking about the IPO, which was, we knew we wanted to, we were considering in early 2015, which turned out to be May, 2015, when we rang the bell in public. I'd never worked at a public company before. I never really had another job before. I never, certainly had never taken a company public. I'd never done a roadshow. I'd never met with bankers or it just, that was something that it was, it was out of my, my depth entirely. But it, it felt like a challenge. Okay, I need to get really good at this. All right, who who recently went public? Who's doing this really well? What does the roadshow you know uh, look like? How do we do a? How do we create a Shopify version of the IPO? Um, I mean, there there's a little bit of you know there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome and insecurity and anxiety and and all of that is always the case. And so let's not pretend like that goes away. That doesn't go away. It still doesn't go away today. However, there's also an aspect to that which is incredibly motivating. All right, let's get good at this thing. 
Um, and I think we got good at, you know, I think we, we got as good as we needed to, to take, to have a, a really good successful IPO. I think we've become a good publicly traded company. Um, we've become a good trusted publicly traded company, which is what the goal was. And we did it in a way where I don't think we lost our soul. I think we were able to do it in a way that is still very much true to, you know, the character, true to the identity of Shopify. We are a weird, you know, group of people. Um, we all are, you know, kind of like look at the executive team of Shopify. Like it's kind of like the Avengers, right? Like they're like they're everyone's so so different. I mean, Toby and I are polar opposites, but there is a deep mutual respect for each other's crafts. And and you know, like the Avengers, when we get together, we can we can move mountains. This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients, and you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. I want to talk to you about Shopify the platform. Like I've, We've got your, your superhero origin story here, and it is incredible in how relatable it is to general um, entrepreneurship. I think a lot of people, would, myself included, were nodding along with that experience. So let's talk about Shopify itself. So in a recent uh, AMA and Ask Me Anything, a Shopify merchant sells uh, Tesla accessories. Peter White asked, is Shopify still the go-to platform for commerce? What do you what do you say to Pete? More than ever before, Pete. Yeah, it, it, it unequivocally is. And, and don't take my, I'm the president of Shopify, of course I'm going to say it is, but don't, don't take my word for it. Look at the product. Look at how the product is evolving. The product is not only evolving in, in terms of simplicity, making it easier to get started, it's evolving in terms of scale. So very large merchants, like you know, in the last couple of quarters, I mentioned companies like Glossier and Spanx and Mattel, um, these big brands that in some cases had their own you know, massive custom stacks in-house are now coming to Shopify as well. So it, we've made it easier to get started. We've made it easier to scale. The merchant solutions, you go back five years ago, we didn't, you know, I think the only merchant solution we had was payments. We didn't have capital. Now capital is a $4 billion uh, capital business. I mean, we've given up $4 billion of cash advances and loans to, to merchants. We have fulfillment now because we think fulfillment. Thank you. I love the cha-ching. Um, actually, I, should, I, I also run a Shopify store now, as you know. I should probably turn on my, I'm going to turn on my sound in case Firebelly gets a... Uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Just, just, I think that'd be super fun. And uh, Firebelly's doing pretty good right now. So we usually get a cha-ching every, you know, I don't know at least every couple of hours. Um, so you look at the product, how it's evolved, fulfillment, shipping, capital, um, Shopify markets for international, things like Shopify balance to manage money. You look at audiences, which is our, our new ad product. I don't know another company that is innovating at that pace in the commerce space. At the same time, making sure that if you are at your mom's kitchen table right now and you want to start a business, it's still really easy. And if you're a publicly traded company or you're, you want to be a publicly traded company like, you know, like, uh, you know, um, Figs or Allbirds or, uh, Oatly, you can also use it. So the breadth of and, and the, the the total address market of Shopify is massive, but it's just as good if you're starting out right now for the first time as if you're running a multi-billion dollar company um, and, and you're publicly traded. And all along the way, all of these challenges and barriers to success that most merchants face, we're trying to reduce those barriers. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. 
And then you add things like, you know, hydrogen and functions and oxygen, and you add things, uh, you know, storefront renderer, and you add things like our, the way that our theme store operates, and you see the evolution of the app store and the type of apps we're adding, and, and you know, new checkout functionality. I mean, um, we're a product company first and foremost. I think we're getting better at sort of the sales and marketing and, and storytelling aspect to the business. That's you know, part of the reason that I'm, I'm out there so often now is, is telling the story. Um, but I think there is no company that is more future-proofing commerce than Shopify. In our Facebook group, I said, hey, I'm, I'm interviewing Harley. What, what do you want to know? What should I ask him? It, it, almost everything was about like, well, this is my like one pet feature and when am I going to get that? Or it, you <laughs> talked about the like absolute, I'm sure your mentions are like insanity on Twitter of like, what am I getting the X, Y, and Z? Yeah, everyone wants something very specific and everyone thinks that everyone else wants the exact same thing. The truth is they don't. So part of like being good at building product is making sure that we do things that like most people need most of the time. So make the important things really, really easy and make everything else possible. That is the, I think the right model. And when I think that's what, that's how we think about it. That's how you prioritize. So when you're looking at essentially an endless, like just an infinitely updating list of feature requests. That's how you prioritize them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, um, a lot of the stuff that's coming out right now, we've been working on for two or three years. So stuff that like, uh, like audiences, the, our, the ability for us to do audiences now is because we did a lot of work many years ago um, to make audiences available now. Here's a great example. Um, when we, on their IPO Roadshow, we, had, I, we did 93 meetings with investors all over the world. And one of the biggest questions we got was, why are you doing this whole like physical commerce thing? Like, why are you doing that? It just doesn't, you guys are e-commerce, focus on e-commerce. Are you distracting? We said, no, 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 we, you, don't, you don't understand. We want to create a retail operating system. And what that means is we need to make it really easy for merchants to sell anywhere they have customers. And so customers, consumers are spending time online, of course, we know that, but they're all spending time offline. And then, and you still got a bunch of, you know, side looks and, 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 you know, questionable reactions. Well, it feels distraction. But today, if you, if you, if you were like, no one would ever say, why are you doing physical retail today? No one would ever say, why do you have integrations to Instagram or Pinterest or Snap or TikTok now or YouTube? Like everyone, it's like, of course it's omni-channel, it's everywhere. So sometimes the products that we put out, like we did, you know, the omni-channel functionality in 2015, when we started talking about that. People, it just wasn't well understood, but our, our hypothesis was that's where it's going. And by the time people need that, we need to be ready for it. You know, I, I, you, as you probably heard, like I did the limited supply podcast with another, uh, bunch of, uh, another great partners, uh, you know, Nick and Moyes, who I know you, you know, you know, well, um, and we talked about a bunch of features that we weren't doing well, um, you know, taxes and, you know, luckily some of the stuff we were, we talked about ended up getting shipped, uh, shortly thereafter. Um, but there's always going to be stuff that, that merchants want that and are frustrated with us about the difference I, I think and i hope is that we really listen i mean when when like everything that anyone said in this facebook group um I, i'd love to actually hear them before i actually comment on them but um but i suspect that's something we're thinking about and and if it's something that is really important you better believe we're gonna actually work we're, we're, we're gonna put that out soon yeah i've been around long enough to see you know what features do end up getting shipped and then seeing how useful they eventually become and so i i have faith in that now, you, we, as we, we've discussed what Shopify does, right? We've, I've heard uh, commerce, e-commerce, omni-channel, social selling, in-person retail. What's the, I don't, when I say e-commerce anymore, I feel like I'm using the wrong word. How, how do we encompass this? Kurt, it's like saying electronic mail. You sound like my grandmother. Here's the difficult part or the challenge. And it's actually, it's the challenge of my, of my life, given my work and, and my craft at Shopify, which is, you know, as a president, like I really view my, my, my craft as, as storyteller, public storyteller of the company, um, whether it's to, 
you know, contingencies like investors or media or general public or merchants or partners or, you know, government, anyone that like needs to know what Shopify does and that we exist. Um, that's sort of my job. And, and in many ways, the company, the product teams, the R and D teams make it really easy for me to do so because they're really fucking smart and they're really good at their jobs. But in other ways, you know, in 2012, I would have said Shopify is an e-commerce provider. In 2013 or 14, I would have said we're doing we're an e-commerce provider. We also do physical retail, so point of sale provider. In 2015, I would have said, well, we also have this thing called Shopify Plus we just announced, and so we also do some enterprise stuff. And then 16, I'd say, well, we also do payments and sh and we do shipping labels. And then 17 or 18, I would have said, well, we also do capital and we do some other things as well. So, like over time, as you add all these things, it makes it more challenging to describe Shopify in in sort of these sound bites or these fortune cookie type one liners. But everything you said is true. And I think that is that is the real value of Shopify, that no matter what you need, if you want to sell something to somebody else, we need to make it easy, we need to make it scalable, and we need to make it so that that connection, that direct relationship you as the merchant have with your customer feels authentic, organic, and, 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 and in line with your brand. You know, there's this, just to sort of, this one metric that I really love talking about, which is attach rate. And I mentioned on the earnings call and I talk about it on TV, but I don't really talk about it on sort of a, a product podcast like this or a community podcast like this. But I also just the reason it's important is this. Attach rate for, for us and for me is a really important metric because the, the equation is very simple. It's, it's basically revenue uh, divided by GMV. The, our, our, our attach rate is the highest it's ever been in the history of the company. The reason is not that we've done anything, you know, any financial maneuvering or anything funky. It's just more merchants are taking more of our services. That's that's the, like like you can almost replace the, ter the term attach rate with product utilization rate. Uh, more merchants are taking more of our products. And that to me is really really important. Um there's a lot of other metrics that that matter too that we care about. Um but you know gross profit dollars is important, GMV is important. Um there there are things like that that obviously we we monitor and care about. But the, the the product utilization rate or attach rate is important because it actually demonstrates what is the value we create for other for, for the merchants and the people that use our product, and that's the highest it's ever been. So that's I'm really proud of that. Is that the thing you're you're most proud of right now with Shopify? Our pay, I mean, okay, like most proud. It's like picking your you know favorite child. Yeah, um, tell me which is your favorite of your children. Couple things. I really I'm very very proud of how Shopify operated and acted during the pandemic. Um, I think the pandemic was really difficult for everybody, even those people that were pandemic winners still would, should say it was difficult. But Shopify earned incredible trust with businesses and entrepreneurs and merchants during the pandemic in a way that um, it meant in that first week when the pandemic hit, moving capital from just US capital to UK and to and to Canada, it meant adding curbside pickup like instantaneously. Um, you know, chip and pin versus or, or tap, tap tap and checkout, so you don't have to you know yeah made things easier on the checkout side. Um, we did a lot of things that made things a little bit easier during a very very difficult time, and I think we showed up in a way that I'm I'm really really proud of. So now that the pandemic is you know is, is somewhat behind us, um, at least in some places. I'm really proud of how we showed up, and I think the trust that we built in that in, during the pandemic is now paying dividends because everyone that you know had to shut down their physical store during the pandemic um, that didn't have an online store, a lot of them had to open up overnight. Luckily for us, unfortunately for us, a lot of them with Shopify. Now that they're reopening their physical stores, they're now replacing Shopify. They're now replacing um, 
their existing old traditional point of sale systems with Shopify. That's really that that's the that's the result of that trust. Beyond that, more recently, I think the just the pace the pace of Shopify is really strong. I mean, there's a lot of issues right now in sort of the macro economy. I don't think there's there's any sort of doubt about that, but generally it feels like every 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 couple of days or every week or so there's now a, a new product release and the product release is not trivial i mean these are these like collabs audiences markets pro um point of sale go those are four major major releases in like the last i don't know 8 weeks or so um there are companies built around like companies with hundreds of people built around each of those one single products and and a lot of that's just part of Shopify, and a lot of it's just part of the the, the, the core product. So that that that's something I'm really um, proud of too. And you should be, yeah. Like into that pandemic, very quickly, I'm like I'm losing my mind with anxiety. I'm going to throw myself into my work to distract myself with uh, curbside pickup and other features being added, and the explosive growth in e-commerce. Pretty quickly, I was 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 I had something I was really proud of to be able to work on. Yeah, and I think that's I mean you know to your to your to your credit, I mean, you know, I know you work closely with like Jay Leno, for example, in Jay Leno's garage. I mean, that is something that it means when we we provide that those those new features and products, you then can offer it to Jay Leno and to all your clients as well. And they're able to actually maintain, sustain, you know, maybe not thrive, but certainly survive a very difficult time. I've heard so much about what you've done right and what you're proud of. It can't, they can't all be wins. Certainly with, with some of that introspection, I want to know, What's the biggest mistake you think you've made at Shopify? Um, on a personal level, I have, I was, um, I don't think I really valued um, hiring as much as I should have, hiring really, really good people. I think I'm getting better at that now, but it's really, I mean, at, at our scale, hiring the very best people is is really important. I think in the early stage of Shopify, I just wasn't very good at that. Um, partially was, I was sort of steeped in the fire of entrepreneurship, which is, I can do everything myself. And that's cool um, when you have to, but, but. You don't, you don't you don't get the scale there. You don't get expertise like that. And I think now, if you look at the leadership of Shopify, you look at the product you know product team, you look at the commercial teams, uh, support teams, the people there are. I mean, they are either the best at what they do or very very close to being the best at what they do. So that that's something that I think I on a personal level I I failed at in the early days. As a company, I think we need to do a better job of explaining. Again, maybe this is on me too. Uh, explaining how Shopify you know, serves these merchants. There's millions of merchants on the platform. We're about 10% of all e-commerce in the US, which in aggregate would make us the second largest online retailer in America, um, which is a very, very big deal. Um, I think making it easier for merchants to understand what products, what services, what functionality we can help them with at this particular time. For a long time, it was sort of, it was a bit of a buffet, pick this or pick that, as opposed to saying, hey, looking at your business, we think these three products would be incredibly valuable for you. Um, that that one is is also really important. Um, you know, one thing we very publicly got wrong was, um, and we, and, and unfortunately it caused us to have to do layoffs, um, earlier in the summer, uh, where we had to, uh, lay off like 10% of the team, which for any entrepreneur or founder, uh, is really difficult. I'm not going to overdo it with the whole, you know, like the LinkedIn tier meme that sort of, <laughs> it was really fucking, I'm, I'm just going to say like, yeah, yeah, like for, for, forget, forget all the drama. It is very difficult. It is, it is a very difficult thing to do. It's a very difficult thing if you're on the other side of it, obviously being let, laid off, but it's just, that is a bad shitty period. Um, but we got something wrong. Uh, we looked at the growth rates of e-commerce um, and it, just to sort of say the thing, cause it's important. Um, the, the key metric to this whole e-commerce growth thing is a very simple equation. It's e-commerce sales on the numerator and on the, denomin the denominator, it's 
all of retail. During the pandemic, people were so focused on the numerator, they forgot about the denominator. So during the pandemic, two things happened. Not one, two things happened. The denominator, excuse me, the, the numerator on top, e-commerce sales skyrocketed because physical retail shut down. Yeah, full hockey stick. Full, exactly. However, below the line, so in the denominator, physical retail was completely taken out of that. So you saw this massive growth rate for e-commerce. Now the physical retail is reopening. I think people, there was sort of this strange perception that e-commerce is going away. Not, not at all. E-commerce growth has actually returned to closer to 2019 levels, which is massive, huge levels on a much higher base because you've now re-added physical retailer, physical retail sales volume into the denominator. And so what we got wrong was we thought that the e-commerce growth would be we knew it wouldn't be like 2020 or 2021. We thought it'd be you know, closer to, like it would be higher than 2019. And the truth is it has uh, returned to the mean on a much higher base, closer to 2019. Um, and so we, we, we overhired and we had to make changes and that sucked. Um, we got that wrong. Um, but just to, to sort of finish the point, um, e-commerce is still so small. I mean, it's like 15% of total retail in the US. It's less than that, I think, in maybe it's 16 or 17% now, but it's, it's under 20% in the US. It's less than that in Canada. It's slightly higher in the UK. I mean, we got a lot of ways to go here. And I think part of to our, your comment earlier about talking about e-commerce, like sounding like you're talking about the color TV or electronic mail or something like that, I think e-commerce is just going to be a major component. It's it's still minor, but it will, be, it will become a major component of total retail. But I still think physical retail is going to play a role. I think social commerce is just starting to really ramp up. I think people are really finding joy and 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 great, you know, buying experiences and shopping experiences using things like the shop app and using Instagram and using TikTok and using YouTube live selling. But it's all the same thing. It's all retail. And I think the brands that are going to be most successful um, are going to be the ones that have just a very good, strong empathy for how to sell to certain customers, regardless of what surface area, what surface they're on. So it, it has become abundantly clear that you consider yourself an entrepreneur. You certainly, you are an entrepreneur, or we could all agree, absolutely started life as one. And I heard a little bit of advice in there, starting to, to segue into some advice for entrepreneurs. What's your advice for new entrepreneurs launching online stores in 2023? Like in January, we see a lot of people, that's their New Year's resolution. They're going to really focus on, I'm going to start it, I'm going to scale it, I'm going to try it, you know, whatever that may be. What do you say to them? I think you should try it. I think that there's this, I think a lot of the baggage around entrepreneurship comes from um, a dated version of small business creation where, you know, you had to go to city hall and register a business. You then went to the bank and took out a loan where you then went ahead and took a lease or had to get, you know, do leasehold improvements. And I think when in that era of business creation, the cost of failure was really, really high. This new version the cost of failure is, is about as close to zero as, as ever. And when you think about the stores, the businesses that you admire most, I mean, all of them started with something totally different. Fashion Nova is one of the most important retailers of our, of our time. And Richard started with a physical store in a second tier mall in Los Angeles. It was a physical store. And it was just, I think it was one, and there was, then there was two, and then there was four. And then 2014, he's like, I'm going to move this online. Ben Francis did not set out to build a multi-billion dollar brand with Gymshark. He wanted to, like, he loved to work out. At the time, the products on the market were either for these big kind of like massive, you know, like bodybuilders, or it was yoga stuff. There was nothing in the middle. He wanted something in the middle. And so every one of these stories on Shopify started um, with someone that 
um, had an idea, had some sort of ambition, and, and just started picking at it. And 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 sometimes one one of those ideas didn't work out, and they tried a different one, and then from there they tried a different one, and eventually it worked. This is the greatest time, truly ever, in the history of the world. Right now, and tomorrow will be even better, and the next week will be even better than that to build a brand new business. The the, the two main ingredients, which historically has been experience uh, and capital are just not as valuable as they once were. Now creativity, hustle, community, like all the tools that you need are currently available to you as an individual. You can start a business for 29 bucks on Shopify. You can design everything you want on a free trial on Figma. You can place ads on Instagram or Snap or TikTok or Google on your own. I mean, ad managers pro, uh, uh, UI are, are now really good, getting much, much better. You can try it. And if it works, great. And you can scale it. And if it doesn't work, you can try something else. But I think this idea that entrepreneurship is not for me, it's for it's, it's only for people that have experience of money is this dated version. A lot of it is, is caused by previous generations. My grandfather, for example, you know, um, I've said the story, but he sold, you know, he was a Holocaust survivor, then goes to Hungary in, in, in the 40s and 50s. Hungarian revolution happens. He's basically he immigrates with my father and, and, and my dad's siblings to Canada with no money in their pocket, starts selling eggs at a farmer's market. Total force entrepreneurship. Uh, he didn't care about eggs. He just he cared about surviving and putting food on the table and ended up selling eggs for like 65 years. He had no choice. If the egg thing didn't work, he was going to lose his house. His family was not going to eat. Um, and it was because, you know, there was a cost to failure in that era of, of business creation. Now, today, it is it is less expensive. And just to be clear, it's still very difficult. There's a lot more people are participating. And so setting yourself apart is really important. I'm, you know, Besides my my role as president of Shopify, I'm also a founder of a brand new online uh, business, a uh, brand new brand called FirebellyTea.com. Uh, and part of the reason I started Firebelly Tea was um, during the pandemic, my uh, my I had anxiety. My anxiety was spiking. I was drinking too much coffee. A friend of mine uh, said, "Hey, try this amazing green tea." I liked it. He started bringing me amazing green tea, like the best green tea ever, every single week. Uh, he started designing little funky products for me to try different cups and mugs with different uh, handles and different ways to steep the tea. And, and eventually I was like, you know, why don't we just like start a, start a small business? And it was cool was because not only was it cool because I can share something that I found amazing green tea with, with the world, but it also allowed me to really test Shopify products. So for example, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm using all of SFN from, you know, from, from manufacturer, um, directly to the end consumer, all of our feature, all of our inventory, all of our products are being shipped entirely through the fulfillment network, uh, Shopify fulfillment network. That's great because now I can use it and I can understand what it's like to actually, you know, work with freight forwarders and, uh, and cross dockers and fulfillment companies and shipping companies. But also I can give feedback in real time to say, Hey, this should have been better. This could have been better. This was really cool. Um, so long answer to a short question, but my advice for, for any entrepreneur that, or any, someone that's thinking about it is there's probably something in your life. If you really want to be an entrepreneur, if that's something that is interesting, compelling to you, there's probably something in your life that you already have or make or do that someone else will value. And I think you should do more of that. Um, maybe it's a hobby that you have. Maybe, maybe you make beautiful, you know, jewelry, uh, beaded jewelry for your, you know, nieces and nephews. And maybe other people may also want that. Maybe you make delicious, you know, coffee, um, and you roast your own beans and you make delicious coffee for your spouse. And maybe other people might want that. That is how it starts. And if it works great, you may change your life. You may put food on your table. You may be able to supplement your income. You may be now can you know make it easier to afford ballet lessons for your daughters, um, or maybe it's just something that gives you like a really fun you know side hustle, and maybe that's all it is. And and that's the best part of entrepreneurship. It 
everyone's definition of success is completely different. And that's okay. Um, if you just want to sell delicious barbecue sauce to your friends um, and quit your job that you hate, uh, like Mike D's barbecue sauce in, in Durham, North Carolina, um, you can quit your job and sell barbecue sauce and make a living doing that. And if that's if that's it and that's all you want to do, good for you. Uh, but if you want to, you know, uh, you want to be Tim and Joey, and you want to basically completely disrupt the traditional sneaker market and build all birds, you can also do that. What's something you just can't live without? For this Shopify merchant, it's Zipify one-click upsell. $10 of extra revenue on every single order, 30% increase for us in average order value. You can't live without it as a Shopify store owner. What would be a game changer for your business? For this merchant, it's a simple Shopify app. Zipify one-click upsell. It's definitely a game changer. It's adding about $9 in extra revenue for every customer that we bring in. That's right. Our number one app that we've been using to help transform our business overall has been... Hey, oh, were you listening to that? You really want to hear about this life-changing Shopify app? Here it is. One-click upsell. It's going to help you increase your average order value a lot and increase your profit from your hard work. Zipify one-click upsell can increase your Shopify revenue by 10 to 15% overnight. Created by the owner of a $155 million brand and trusted by over 11,000 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. It is no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $316 million in sales. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. After working with so many uh, entrepreneurs and interviewing so many entrepreneurs, I was reflecting on it last night. And one thing I always come back to is, and I'm so glad to hear you say something very similar, is everyone's definition of success is different. And not only that, the path to it, there are all different. And so really the the starting point it is identifying the thing, that spark, and like there's so many different things. It's different for everybody. And then saying, why not me? Yeah. And now, you know, more than ever, the in the past the misconception was like, well, you have to have access to to capital and all these things. And today it is it is more accessible than ever with um with with Shopify as uh, as a platform and, and tool set. But you as an entrepreneur yourself. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It wasn't a piece of advice. It, it was, it was a, I, I was given a gift early on in my career, actually before I was 17, when I was 13, by my dad. Um, my dad uh, was an entrepreneur. He may listen to this and, and, and he, he probably won't like that I say this, but you know, he, he, never, he never hit it out of the park or anything like that. Um, but he, he, he was an entrepreneur. He always tried and always had you know, small little businesses and, and he grinded away at it. And so when he heard that I wanted to start a DJ company when I was 13 years old, <clears throat> he went out and he made me business cards because he, I mean, he couldn't give me much money. He couldn't, give me, he couldn't buy me equipment, but he could give me business cards, which I'm pretty sure he made it like on the, on the family home printer. Um, that business card that said Harley Finkelstein, DJ company CEO, um, or DJ, whatever it was, that was really profound. It gave me this gift of, of confidence that I can do this. Um, for some reason, you can tell yourself a thousand times, I'm a DJ, I'm gonna start a DJ company. But it was only when 
you know, my dad said, Hey, I made you some business cards for your new business. I was like, Oh shit. It's like, this is a thing. Like I'm, I'm a, I own a DJ company now. And so, uh, especially for, th- for those people listening or watching that are parents, if my dad would have bought me the DJ company, he, he couldn't afford, he couldn't have afforded to, but if he did, if he could have afforded to giving me DJ equipment would not have been as valuable as him giving me the audacity and the confidence to say, I can do this sort of thing. And so that to me was, that's not really advice, but it certainly was the greatest gift that I think I could have ever received as an entrepreneur. And, and now when my daughters have crazy ideas, like they find a bunch of random stickers in some drawer and say, I want to go outside and sell them. I'm like, all right, let's go outside on the driveway. Let's sell these stickers. And um, you know, one person ends up buying them who's like a an old neighbor who kind of like thinks they're cute. I go along with their the, the crazy ideas. I support their uh, their random, uh, hey, let's try this thing. And I try to do that a lot. Um, that was probably the best thing that, that best thing that gift I ever got as an early entrepreneur. In terms of uh, beyond advice um, on that, uh, this idea, like this is uh, something that, uh, you know, Toby sort of taught me. It's not really about entrepreneurship, but more about life in general. Um, but this idea of requalification is really important that, uh, especially if I want to continue to lead Shopify in the future, I need to requalify for my job every year. Then nothing is is granted. Nothing is is given. I have to I have to earn the right to be the president of Shopify a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. And if I don't earn that right, um, then the board and Toby and, and and everyone should just say, Harley, you did a great job or good job, whatever they think I did, uh, and they should find somebody else. However, if I want it and I really want it, then I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I do requalify every year, that I do keep up with the pace of Shopify through mentorship, through learning, through coaching, through meeting people much smarter than me, um, through knowledge and, and information acquisition. Um, I think that, that makes for a very interesting, meaningful life. I mean, that that's that's where you get into this concept of life's work. And like you, and I, Kurt, I know you well enough to say this, you are doing your life's work and so am I. And we are so freaking lucky that we can do our life's work during our life. Most people only end up doing their life's work after their life is over. After they like after their career is done, they're like, okay, I just retired from Bell or from, you know, FedEx, and now I'm going to go do the thing I've always wanted, which is I want to go like you know open up a, a hamburger or a chip wagon, or I want to go and, and make these toys, or I want to go and become a fashion designer, I want to become a photographer. Doing your life's work during your life is incredibly, incredibly wonderful. Um, and and we should all be grateful that that we have that because we are um, we're blessed. I mean that is that's not something that our my my parents or grandparents had. I don't think it's something your your parents or grandparents had. No, I I've I've got goosebumps, and all I could think when I heard it was challenge accepted. Let's go right. Ah, oh, incredible. I had not thought about it that way, and to hear you say it, I get you could think it yourself. Having someone else hold up the mirror and say it just provides such incredible validation similar to you know that that business card that provided that spark when you were 13 and turn look what it turned into this Pretty lifelong cool. career of incredible entrepreneurship yeah. that is this point now affected um positively millions of people truly incredible funny I mean, enough i don't absolutely. think I, I i don't think i have a shopify business card we just don't have business cards at <laughs> shopify so it's funny how that came full circle but uh well i have to you yeah. know at this point you'd have to like i'd have to explain to my kids what a business card well, is like what like just tell them my like twitter handle uh you know that's that's almost as good <laughs> well it's it, yeah it's like your handle but they printed it out that's right um, oh see do you hear that that was i a, did a fire belly sale that's awesome i was like did i hit the button what okay happened? so as you, that's, <laughs> so you, you i know i i that's so funny oh, let me see where this came from uh, it's always cool to see like, uh, where they came from. Um, you know, like, like what city and stuff. 
and and like who they are and how they kind of found the store. Um, but actually, one of the things I love about the, the, the Kaching sound uh, is that no matter where you are, if you are like in like a coffee shop or you're in a conference or you're in the airport, like for all those merchants listening, if you have a store, like turn on that cha-ching sound and turn it up loud. Um, I have I have no other notification on except that one. I turn it up loud when I'm in public and then you hear that's it great. and immediately you're like, oh, like that's my person. Like that's another entrepreneur. That's another merchant. Like that person immediately, I have a connection to. We are, we are on similar paths, different, you know, different industries and we may not know each other, but there's an immediate connection when you hear that ka-ching sound. And I, I love that. I think that's uh that's one of the least talked about aspects of this community, but it's kind of our secret handshake. Oh, I, I love phrasing it that way. I remember at Unite, we heard a ka-ching go off in the audience and it will like, the whole room just went nuts. Well, also everyone turns off their phone because they don't want to disturb anyone. But actually that is the one sound that I think, like if, if I'm on CNBC or I'm on, you know, giving some keynote on stage in front of a thousand people, I keep it on. And then when I, when that happens and, you know, I don't, uh, Jim Cramer says, what was it? I'm like, oh, I just got to sell my, my tea shop. I'm, I'm also a Shopify merchant. Um, it's cool. It is cool. Uh, so, Okay. We're coming to the end of our time together. Can I hit you with the lightning round? Sure, let's go. All right. Favorite business book? Oh, um, probably High Output Management by Andy Grove from, from Intel. Um, just a great sort of like how-to and how to manage. So who inspires you? Uh, I know everyone says like the like, you know, Steve Jobs and stuff there, but actually it's it's people that are sort of less, uh, less obvious. Um, People that someone that people would know, Seth Godin inspires me. Seth Godin has become a friend and mentor of mine. Um, he inspires me not because he's this uh, marketing genius. He inspires me because of the way he lives with incredible intentionality. Every single aspect of his life, from his marriage uh, to Helene to his relationship with his children, his two boys to the way he makes dinner for his friends, the way that he um, when he invites you over and it's Halloween, the way he prepares for Halloween, everything is done with such intentionality. He, he absolutely embodies this expression that I love, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. And Seth, Seth is, is just, he's, he's that guy. I didn't realize that was a Seth Godin line. I have, I've heard that I don't know if, one. I, I don't know if he said it. that line. I, I don't know if he's, if he said that line, but he, he embodies that for sure. Okay. Uh, VR headsets, copper drop. Uh, I have, I have the Oculus. Actually, one of the, uh, one of the, the, Sort of killer apps for me with with the Oculus is um, there's a mini mini golf um, walkabout uh, game in there. Yeah, exactly. Walkabout. Uh, I really like it. Um, I like it because it's uh, it's about forty minutes uh, for a full course, and if you do it with two or three people, um, you sort of walk around with them for two or three like for, for forty five minutes. That like you really do. You can have a really interesting conversation. You're golfing, so you don't really have to talk the whole time. It sort of creates this really great social dynamic uh in walkabout i think walkabout is really cool i love to hear i'm a i'm a big oculus fan so i'd love to hear that especially about walkabout it's a ton of fun uh all right two more number five what's your favorite recent purchase from a shopify store i, I love blue salt i love my ember mug um i love my my tea from Firebelly. i mean viore do you know viore no that's like the like i just discovered them a month ago it is V. I wrote down blue salt because I've been admiring that hoodie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great. So uh, blue salt's amazing. Uh, Lindy's the the CEO and founder. She's an incredible entrepreneur. Viori V U O R I clothing. Um, I think they make amazing like workout gear and just athletic gear. I just discovered them. Their Shopify store out of San Diego. I just I literally emailed the CEO two days ago and said. Like, you don't know me, I don't know you, but like, I love your stuff. And he wrote back right away. He's like, we're huge Shopify fans. We've been, been with Shopify for a long time. And Viore is awesome. That's 
Oh, that's a how fun must that be for someone to get out of the blue? Well, it's so fun for me. Like when I like I randomly stumble upon a really cool ad on Instagram, I'm like, oh, I love that shirt. I love that that pair of socks or sneakers. And I click on it and like takes me to, and then I see the shop, uh, shop pay tab. And I'm like, oh yeah, like Shopify store. Like, you know, th- these, these are my people. I always get a kick out of walking around a store with my kids and going, oh, that's Shopify store. That's Shopify store. Oh, I've got, oh, that's one of our clients over there. That's like, that's awesome. that never gets old. Final question. This one's timely because Black Friday is almost here. It's around the corner. When this episode's over, what's the one thing merchants should be doing? I think, first of all, I think Black Friday is like 14 days away. Like, start your promotion right now. Uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is not a weekend. It's now a season. And I think it's the perfect time to, to, to push promotion now. First thing. Second thing is, everyone wants to focus on, like, getting new customers. I think that's great. Obviously, we want new customers. But, like, do, you can do something super, super simple. Figure out, and you can easily through Shopify, because Shopify will tell you um, your, all your return customers. Find out who's bought two times and send them an email, personal email from Harley or Kurt, whoever, and say, hey, you bought twice, uh, two times. Hope you like our product. Um, because it's Black Friday, Summer Money coming, here's a special discount code just for you. And just personalize it. Don't overthink it. Just send an emails out. And I do that, by the way, with Firebelly. I'll send, you know, 30, 40, 50 emails out on a Sunday afternoon to people that have bought two or three times and say, thank you for your business. Any feedback? And by the way, like, here's a coupon code for your next purchase. It works so, so well. So you personally send this not newsletter. It doesn't look like nope. a personal email. I mean, we, 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 I mean, we, we have great newsletters. We use all types of great email marketing applications, but I also will send, but I also send emails directly from me from like my, my personal email address. That's a real, oh, that's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, it works well. We're going to use that one. Okay. You got an hour out of this. We were supposed to talk for a half hour. This is this is uh, this is longer than I thought. Which 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 is a credit to our your questions and and, and your your ability to be a great interviewer. So um, thank you but, so thank much. You, Kurt. Yeah, thank you for this. This is awesome. Incredible. Uh, Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify. Thank you for being here. My my pleasure and honor, sir. My pleasure and honor. E-commerce marketing is changing. Email is no longer the only way to build relationships with customers. SMS is now the fastest growing sales channel for online brands. And if you haven't gotten started yet, I know what you might be thinking. My customers don't wanna receive text messages or I don't think I could drive ROI with SMS. But here's the thing, SMS is where you find your best customers. You don't need to have thousands of SMS contacts to drive meaningful revenue. And merchants see up to a 250% increase in engagement and conversion rates when they pair email and SMS together. Text marketing is here to stay, my friends. And Privy is the fastest way to get started. Privy gives you access to all the tools you need to grow your SMS list and send money-making text messages. Plus, their full suite of website conversion and email marketing tools. And the cherry on top? You'll get one-on-one coaching and support no matter where you start with Privy. Ready to get started or just learn more? Go check out Privy on the Shopify App Store and see how you can get started for free today.